0: So last week we had a sermon on a faith, um, a faith that works, just do it. And uh, some of you may have seen on Facebook, I had no idea that Colin Kaepernick was going to get picked to do this just do it campaign on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and no matter where you are on the issue, I'm just saying I had no idea <laughs> uh, about it. And uh, But it seems as though there was some synchronicity in the universe, uh, in the spirit, in terms of what God wants to say to us in this time. Uh, also, last week we focused on what it means to just do it, to have a faith that actually works to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And so that focus last week was really on, hi. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted by kids. There's one coming up that, hello, so precious. That focus last week was really on how do we use our faith to better and improve our lives. There was one point in there where we talked about some uh, justice-related uh, uh, ways of using our faith as well, too. And this week, uh, just the disclaimer and, and letting you know to brace yourself, that this week we're talking about how do we then take our faith and live our faith? What does it mean to live our faith? Not just for ourselves, not just for ourselves to be saved, not just for us to have all the money that we need and have our needs met and have our dreams fulfilled, but that God does all of these things and spirit moves on our behalf in this very way so that yes we can have a good life i've heard somebody say your best life now There's a book that's out there but yeah we want to have a good life we do see that god is is able to provide a good life for us if we follow in the way that we should and use our faith as we should but is it just for us and i would say no it's not it is also for other people those Who are in need those who need care those who need love those who need support now you heard mona read this scripture and james here is talking to a group of people and he's he's preaching against this idea that oh god has saved you so that your soul can go to heaven what james is saying is no that is not the only idea here There is more to life than just your soul going to heaven. I want you to use your faith to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word, but I also want you to use your faith to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick, to restore community, to create God's love on earth. Not just to get rich, not just to have your needs met, but to have your needs met so that you can meet other people's needs so that God can work through you to heal and to help others now we all know some of these folks and I mentioned some of them last week you know we we get very caught up and concerned about your soul baby do you know the Lord you go into heaven Yeah, I'm going, but I'm concerned about if you know the Lord, why don't I see you doing other things besides chasing other folks down the road to get saved so that they can go to heaven? Yeah, we all want to go to heaven, and and some of us will say, I'm one of them, I'm like, I know and I trust God that there is some place to go in the hereafter after I close my eyes for the final time but I got a whole lot more years, God willing, that I have to live. And so do all of the people who are surrounding us who are suffering today. People are worried about hell in the afterlife when hell is right here, right now for some people. The people who are still not back in their homes, the people in Puerto Rico that have no power, no lights, no filtered water and disease is running rampant. The people right here in this city who are in so much need. The people in this congregation that are losing family members. The people who are in need. The people down the street and around the corner who need a job. The people who are in need. The people who are beating down this fence and the wall that we're putting up to get into this country because they have no hope on the other side of the fence. The people who are in need. And you want to talk to me about something that's going to happen later. And my stomach is hurting with hunger pains right now. I can't hear about your God when I'm hungry. What is it, Maslow's needs, hierarchy of needs? Can't save a soul that's hungry. It's hard to save a soul that is in need. Now, before we run down the wrong rabbit hole, because I know we're in the age of just do it, Colin Kaepernick, let's burn up our Nikes, or buy up a lot of Nikes, and all of this political division. What I want to focus on in this is not the political discourse, because I know a lot of people who are Republicans who care about those who are poor and those who are in need. Just as much as the Democrats and the liberals. The problem is the method through which we go in doing it. So let's just set aside the politics for a moment and talk about what we agree on. And that is that God has given us a faith and God has done for us. And it is our time to take that faith and all of our blessings and to figure out how to use it to make a better life for those who are in need. It's not about your policy. It's about your heart. Is your heart in the place to say, God has blessed me and out of gratitude for all that I have and all that God has done. I want to lift somebody else up as well too. I think about when I was in high school growing up and, um, <laughs> and some of y'all might Disagree with this, but uh, I was growing up high school and it, it was uh, eighth grade. Well, so first off, let me go back a little way. Sixth grade, my mom was like, I want you to be in band because we had figured out that um, after I got hotlined playing baseball and went to chase the guy around the field because the ball hit me in the stomach, we were out there playing baseball, I was around. So I decided it hit me, and I was, you know, my mom said, if somebody hits you, what do you do? You, you hit them back. So I threw the pitch, the boy hit the ball, and it hit me in my stomach, so I picked, after I finished crying a little bit, I picked up the bat and I went to chase him around the, the, the field. Because I knew if I didn't hit him back, I was gonna get hit when I got home. Now my mom was like, you shouldn't have done that. You don't go chasing people with nobody. I said, well, mama, you said for me, if you get hit, hit them back. She said, well, not in that case, that was an accident. And I was like, you, it didn't feel like no accident to me when that ball hit me in my stomach. So we tried that. We tried baseball. We tried football. Y'all know where I'm going. We tried a whole lot of athletic things. My grandfather, we would stand in the street and throw that football back and forth. It would take me at least two or three hours before I could get a good spin on it. And it would only be once. And I'd just be so happy, you know, and he'd say, do it again. And well, there, there the ball goes, It's wobbling down the street. So we decided music. It must be music. So I joined band in sixth grade. Well, I couldn't read the notes fast enough to play the flute. Then I tried the the trumpet. And then uh, finally the band director said, I tell you what, why don't you just play the drums? Well, at that point, I had no rhythm. So that didn't help either. So finally I said, after we, and we then moved to the suburbs in sixth grade, I said, well what I'm going to do is I'm going to join choir. Surely I can carry a tune with my voice. I could not match pitch to save my life. People were singing on this note. I was on this note. They were on this note. I was on this note. So sixth grade, seventh grade, I just kept at it because I said, well, I can't play any athletics. Never going to be tipped. I'm never going to be able to make a touchdown. No way, no how. So I just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. then in eighth grade, two years later, Joe Weir, I'll never forget his name as long as I live, he auditioned to me for high school choir. And so in high school choir, there was this other little group, you know, you have your regular choir, and then you have like your pop choir, show choir that you got to audition for to get into. And so I said, I'm gonna audition for that. Now, mind you, I can't carry a pitch and match a note to save my life. So he said to me, he said, okay, uh, you're not gonna make it in the group. (laughs) He said, but you're gonna be in men's choir. I will work with you. And he worked with me all of my ninth grade year. After school, staying late, in between rehearsals. And I wasn't one of those you know, the, the popular kids that get all the attention. That's not who I was in ninth grade. Maybe my senior year, but not in ninth grade. And so, and so he worked with me and worked with me. And by the time it came to audition for ninth grade year, I was put into acapella choir, which in acapella choir, you get to sing through, you sight sing that song one time through. And after that, no music, no nothing, you go. That's it, no piano. And I also made it into that that pop choir group. I'm not saying this to brag on me. I'm saying this because somebody took the time to work with me and to help me. And when I think about the fingerprints of God on my life and God showing up distinctly in my life, he is one of the people that I point to. He is one of the people that I said, yes, there is a God, I know there is one because this person took time out to help me and to show me a better way at a time when I also had no male figure in my life as well too. So there was a whole lot of care and support and love that went into that particular relationship. There are people right now today who need our love who need our support and who need our care people are like why are you setting up all these justice ministries because if god has blessed us there is something that we should be called and encouraged to do for other people justice looks different for so many people but there's one thing that is clear god is calling us to be more than just a sunday christian God is calling us to be a Christian that loves. The song says they will know you are Christians by our love. We think of Jesus today, and I'll I'll wrap up after these few points, but when we think of Jesus in today's scripture, first off, Jesus seems to have some kind of newfangled technology that allows him to beam from one location to another at least 40 miles in a matter of seconds because in one part of this gospel today he's uh, in Tyre and then in the next part that Mona read he's over in Sidon. These two cities are 40 miles apart but nowhere in the text did it say Jesus walked on to Sidon and this is all his travels and this is what happened but he goes and he meets with these people and I think The combination of these two scriptures this week says something to us. When this Greek Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus and says, My daughter is in need, cast the demon out of her. Jesus, in so many words, calls her a dog. Did y'all catch that in the scripture? He said, The children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and to toss it to the dogs. And then she said, oh, no, you don't, Buster. Slow your roll. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And Jesus said, go on your way. That demon has been cast out. This scripture is not just telling us about meeting somebody's needs. What the scripture writer is trying to tell us is that even Jesus, I know this is really gonna mess with some of you sanctified folks. Mmm, I know I'm hear about it. Even Jesus had some issues understanding how to relate to people that were not like him. The Syrophoenician people were not Jewish. So here he is saying the children, the Jews, my people need to get it first, then you can get it. But the gospel message is that Jesus was transformed because this woman said, no, even the dogs can eat the crumbs from the table. I am not gonna stop until you bless me and do for me what you are doing for everybody else. If Jesus can be transformed, that I want to know what the H-E double hockey sticks is wrong with us. Jesus says, I will go ahead and heal you. I will go ahead and help you even though I am being transformed because you have pushed me and encouraged me to do something for you. In that moment, Jesus was transformed by this woman. Then he goes on to Sidon and has to do the same thing. The next text there is he has to heal somebody else that's of a different race, a different religion, somebody else who he thinks, no, this person cannot possibly be worthy, but yet he is transformed and reaches across diversity, reaches across the boundary of difference and says, I will do it. And so when we talk about faith without works being dead and being a lack of activity, yeah, we can believe God to pay a bill. Yeah, we can believe God to go feed the hungry. But can we believe God to change and transform us across the the differences that are ingrained in us? The things that we have been told, don't do that because they don't need it. Can our faith move our bodies into action and not just be concerned about our soul? God says body and soul. I'll tell you one of the things that I have mentioned in our Bible study several times, and uh, I will tell you just so you know when I mention salvation what I mean by it. Salvation is important for our soul. I'll give you that. But I like Marcus Borg's definition of salvation. He says, salvation is God's transformation of you and our co-creating transformation for the rest of the world. In other words, we are not saved just for ourselves. We are not transformed just for ourselves. We sing that song all the time. God has the whole world in his hands. God has the whole world in his hands because we are in his hands. We are also his hands to love and to care for people. You are not saved. I am not saved just for myself. We are saved to love and transform each other. Amen? Amen.